So, <clears throat> excuse me, Joseph uh, started out with, as his father's favorite amongst a whole bunch of brothers. And yeah, he kind of rubbed it in, but whatever. Um, and his brothers turned on him and threw him into a pit, were planning on killing him, but then he got sold into slavery. So he starts really high point and then ends up at a really low point. And then as a slave, he ends up in Egypt in uh, the house of a man named Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard. And it turns out Joseph was really good at what he did. So he ended up becoming basically the overseer of the whole household. Um, and you can assume Potiphar would have had quite a bit of money. So uh, he, he ends up gaining a ton of authority, which makes sense for ancient Near Eastern slave practices. It was very different from what we think of as Americans. You could actually get that kind of authority. Um, so he ends up at a really high point. And then Potiphar's wife um, accuses him of some, some things, and he was totally innocent. But Potiphar believed his wife, and so then he gets thrown in jail. So he was up here, now he's down here again. Um, and he was there for a while. He was, he was there for a couple of years, knowing that he was innocent. And he gained the respect of the warden um, as though that were a consolation. Um, but he languished in that low point for a while, um, just kind of knowing that he was innocent. And so the events that kind of that lead up to um, what we heard read for tonight, um, well, they, they sort of set Joseph up for what comes next. Um, to eventually uh, the the cupbearer and the chief baker of Pharaoh are both thrown in, in jail uh, for whatever reason. And those are two very prominent positions. Uh, and while they're down there, they both have dreams. So remember, dreams are an important theme for, for the story of Joseph. Um, when Joseph was back with his family, he had these dreams that indicated that his brothers would bow down to him. And of course, he then made the mistake of you know, telling his brothers. Um, but again, whatever. And when these, this cupbearer and this baker are come down to this jail, uh, they have these dreams, and it turns out that Joseph has this God-given ability, and Joseph is very, very clear to point out that this is a God-given ability. There's no ego in this. Um, he, interprets his, he interprets those dreams. So, for the cupbearer, you know, he tells him his dream and he says, okay, this is what it means. In three days, you'll be, you're going to get your position back as the cupbearer for Pharaoh of the king. And so, you know, you can imagine the baker hearing that and going, all right, I'm next. And he goes, all right, Joseph, what does my dream mean? Huh. Hey. <laughs> um... Because as you heard, read, the, the baker is hanged. Um, so part of me wonders, how awkward was that conversation? You know, was Joseph going, hey, um, how you doing? <laughs> Do you have family? 
other people we need to inform of what's happening. Um, but as Joseph predicted, so it happened. Now, when he told the cupbearer what was going to happen, that he was going to be reinstated, uh, he, he said, hey, by the way, when you get back, when you get everything that you lost back, remember me. Um, and he did, eventually, but it took a really long time. So Joseph was in that last low place for a while. And eventually, Pharaoh has these dreams, these two dreams, and he's troubled. He has no idea what is going to happen or, or what they mean. And so finally, this cupbearer was like, hey, there's a Hebrew slave in Potiphar's jail. Why don't you have him interpret your dreams? And if you noticed in the reading, when Joseph is asked to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, he says, look, this isn't me, but it's God. And on the one hand, you know, th that can sound just very pious. Um, but I get a sense that Joseph has been through enough that there isn't a lot of ego left. He's been up and he's had everything taken away from him enough that he's, he, he's of the mindset that it, you know, whatever, whatever happens, whatever God wills, that's, that's what's going to happen. And so uh, that, that's his attitude. And so he explains to Pharaoh that there is a famine coming. And you know, for a, a, the idea of a famine for most modern Western people is pretty foreign. Like for us, a famine is really more like a, a shortage, and so th certain things are kind of harder to find, or you you know, gas prices go up, or things are a little bit more expensive. It's not honestly that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. Like we were at Target last week and the, the razors I like to shave with, I can't find them and I'm, I'm still mad about that. Um, but a famine in the ancient world could kill an empire very easily. Life back then really kind of uh, was held by a thread more so than it is now. Um, I mean, disease, starvation, you, you were kind of always on the edge of, of just falling off. And, and so when Pharaoh re learns that a famine is coming, after seven years, he is very wise, very perceptive to say, we need to plan now. Pharaoh, in this story, needs to be commended for that. He's kind of one of the good guys. And so, through the course of events, he realized that the person to do it, off of Joseph's suggestion that he find somebody, um, should be Joseph. And so, Joseph was dad's favorite, and then he was over the captain of the guard's household. And now he's like second in all of Egypt, riding in one of his chariots. What do you think was going through Joseph's mind at that point? I mean, part of me, the, the cynic in me, it would be thinking, yeah, well, we'll see how long this lasts. I've been up before. 
I'm just waiting for God to pull the rug out from under me. If I'm going to be honest with you, I could see myself going there. I don't know if it's kind of that like, I don't know, Irish cynicism or whatever that's embedded deep within me or something like that. But I, I, I think one of the, the, the threads or themes throughout the story of Joseph, uh, we, we don't really get language for until the very end, when Joseph says to his brothers, and I've said this before, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And, and you get this sense that as we're going through the story, Joseph keeps looking back. And he keeps saying, oh, that's why God brought me to this low, low point. Because he actually has something a whole lot bigger and better in mind. And in Joseph's case, he lost everything a couple of times, which will end up resulting in the saving of countless Egyptian lives and beyond. But when he confronts his brothers, you get the sense that he realizes now that his suffering has been redeemed. It actually, as it turns out, has a purpose. It's not meaningless. That's a really, really hard concept to grab in the moment. When you are in that low point, but man, does it give you life when you look back and God gives you the opportunity to see how your suffering has been redeemed. I mentioned last uh, weekend that when I was in seminary, I was diagnosed with leukemia and, and got pretty close to dying. That was a very real possibility for a while. And it was an unrelenting nightmare at the time. I hated every second of it. it and I could go on for a while, but I'll spare you. It wasn't until things kind of lifted, and, and I'm very stable now. It's still detectable, but the, the medication is very effective. It has some issues, but we deal with them. Um, but kind of when I, when I got out of seminary and when I started actually getting into real ministry as a pastor, it opened up all of these opportunities for me to connect with cancer patients people who had these catastrophic diagnoses, not just limited to cancer, of course. We could start to speak some of the same language. We would kind of compare notes. It gave me an opportunity to, to, to minister to people and families that were barely hanging on in ways that I never would have had I not gone through all of that. And so in that sense, I went away from me. And looking back, that is a, a wealth of suffering, which is suffering that has been redeemed and transformed into something else that serves God's purpose. That's ultimately what the story of Joseph is about. 
Now, this is Lent, so we're, we're eventually making our way towards the, the crucifixion of Jesus. And I promise you that on the night when Jesus is betrayed, and then when he goes to trial, and then eventually he is executed, his disciples could not make any sense of it. Because no, nobody really understood what the Messiah was really supposed to do. Even though Jesus said, look, I'm going to be betrayed, and then I'm going to die, and then God is going to raise me in three days. He says that a couple of times. You get this very clear sense that his disciples did not understand. Because nobody really expected the Messiah to die. In fact, the Messiah, in their minds, was not supposed to die. And so when Jesus goes to his grave, it is pure suffering, pure evil. There is no redemption following that. His, remember those two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus? They're like, we had hoped he'd be the one to redeem Israel. And then that's it. So when Jesus is raised from the dead and he walks out of his tomb three days later, his disciples would then spend the rest of their lives figuring out what that means. And you can see that pretty clearly in, throughout the writings of the New Testament. Like, if God raised Jesus, the Messiah from the dead now, before God raises everybody else from the dead, some other day to come, like God is doing something sh shocking and surprising. Like suddenly there's a new reality and a new possibility. God, he's not just trying to save Israel. He's saying saving everybody. And then that moment of Jesus' innocent death actually is redeemed. That's the kind of suffering then that turns into something new. And we, as, as followers of Jesus, like we're deeply connected with that new, with that redemption. In fact, for those of us baptized into Jesus, that means that we are guaranteed that the struggle and the suffering and the hard, low times in our lives will at some point find their way to redemption. It may not be now. It may be long after you are gone and you are looking back after God has raised the dead and, and recreated the, the heavens and the earth. You will look back and you will see how the threads of suffering in your life get woven together through this horrific moment of Jesus' death into this ultimate world-changing moment when God raised him from the dead, and you will say, oh, that's what God was doing this whole time. I had no idea. That's the worst-case scenario. It's even better when you get to turn back and look and see that God was working his ways of redemption through those low moments and you had no idea and you look and you say, God can re truly redeem anything. 
So as we continue to watch Joseph go up and down, and now he's up, let that be an encouragement that God really can redeem any suffering. And in fact, it's a promise. Amen.